I am so glad to be with you. You know, there's one other way they can listen. They can also listen on our app because we have, a, we have our Podbean, and uh, so we, we downloaded audio as well, just in case. And uh, as Gina said, you know, as the Lord speaks, man, I think it's so important. Sometimes we need to listen to something more than once to let it get in our, in our spirit. Can you say amen to that? And so uh, this morning, you know, the last two weeks, uh, I gotta, I, I'm going to just be as, uh, as, as transparent as I can be, and you guys normally know that's how I am anyway. But the last two weeks have been just extremely difficult messages uh, to deliver and to receive. That's why Gina reminded us that it's important to make sure that we listen and hear uh, what the Holy Spirit would say. And uh, today, I, I'm excited because I get to talk about Jesus in Lamentations, and, and we don't got to get spanked this morning. Amen? <laughs> now, some of us might get our toes stepped on a little bit, but I feel like the Lord been spanking us a little bit for some of our attitudes, you know? You know how if you're a parent and your child has a little attitude, sometimes you have to adjust it. Now, I'm not advocating spanking, so save the comments and save the emails. I'm just saying when I was little, my mama knew what was up, and I knew what was up. I knew what the score was, and uh, sometimes she just gave me that Clint Eastwood look, you know, and it was over. And she, she'd be talking like this, you know what she was saying, but you know it was going to be painful, you know, <laughs> especially in a restaurant, you know, if you were going to embarrass her, because we didn't go very often, but when we did, if you were going to embarrass her, she'd you know, it's almost like, go ahead, punk, make my day, you know. <laughs> She's like, I know what you're thinking. Was that five shots or six, you know? <laughs> I didn't know she had a seven-shot gun, though. See, that's the problem. Sometimes we don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I'm just excited to be with you and uh, you watching online. I was watching just the interaction, and we're one. I look out, and I see all these wonderful faces, and what's awesome is you look next to you, and there's people that are, I'm looking, there's Oscar and Dee right here, you know, and so I look around, there's Kelly, there's Miss Yvonne, you know, I look around, and, and we're, so we're sitting next to y'all, even though we may not be sitting next to each other, so... Um, and, uh, and it's work to stay together, but we're doing it, aren't we? And uh, so as we're in this series, you know, I, my, my biggest goal, when you see a Lamentation series, everybody always thinks, oh God, here we go. This is going to be doom and gloom. But really, it's been hope. And really, I believe that Lamentations is a book of hope. And it really moves us in the face of extraordinary adversity, globally, nationally, and personally, it has moved us to a place of trust and hope. We've learned that it's important to admit sin. If we want God to do His best work in us, we have to come to a place where we say, God, search me if there be anything in me. Before I'm worried about what's happening out here, you have to do it in me. And then we learn that there's a deep need for repentance because how many people know just because you know you have a problem doesn't mean you're sorry. Right? So sometimes we need to learn how to repent of that behavior. And then we need to learn the true value of lament, which means, God, I really, truly am sorry. Help me, God. That's where we learn to turn and say, help me, Jesus. Lord, help me, Jesus. And, 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 and when we do that, we, we experience a hope that's in God. And then we learn through study and reflection that we can unearth these beautiful nuggets of truth. But we got to dig through some rubble. I don't know about you, but right now the world feels like it's in rubble. 
But we just can't sit here and look at the rubble. We need to start digging in that rubble to find the hope, to find the trust, to find those things that we need. And so the book of Lamentations is really a memorial to the pain of the people of Israel and the destruction of everything that they knew. And I think we can all identify with that globally, nationally, and personally. I think we have all can, uh, have felt that. But here's the coolest thing about our God. He doesn't ask you to suffer in silence. No, He wants you to speak it. The difference is He doesn't want you to spew it. I'm going to say that again so it can get in your spirit. He wants you to speak it, not spew it. And so it's important. Thank you for the two people that clapped. Hallelujah. Somebody call my mama. Tell her they are not helping me this morning. We learn how to, here's what we do. We learn how to call on Jesus. We learn how, I said we learn how to call on Jesus. He's the only one. You can't trust in the government to create utopia. There ain't no such thing as utopia, but there is a such thing as heaven. And so your hope needs to not be in the government, but your hope needs to be in Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm up here trying to preach early here. And I'm not asking you to deny your emotions. I told you I want you to stay mad. But I want it to be a holy anger. A holy anger that truly brings about the gospel change. I want you to voice your protest, but I want you to voice your protest to God first. So that you get His marching orders and not someone else's marching orders. I want you to vent your feelings, but I want you to vent them to God. Pour it all out before Him so He can get all of that struggle. He can sift through it so that when your anger is presented, it's a holy anger. When your pain is presented, it's a holy pain. See, that's what God wants to do. So, so, so the coolest thing about Lamentations, and I've been saying it, I'm going to say it throughout the whole series, is that it doesn't end with everything resolved. Because life's not like that. Life is not like that. I don't have to tell you that, but I have to remind you of it. You know, the truth of the matter is, is people are left with your faith. Hopefully. You're left with hope. You're left with trust in the midst of heartache and hardship. I don't know what Bible some people been preaching from, but my Bible says in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In my Bible it says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, my Bible said if the world hated me, it's going to hate you. That's the Bible I read. I didn't read about the limousine jet riding Bible. I missed that. I missed the Bible with the fat wallet and the big money. I missed that part of the Bible. I missed the part of the Bible where we deny everything and sell everything to the glory of Jesus. If you're going to sell out to somebody, sell out to Jesus. Don't be like Ananias and Sapphira. Some people don't know what I'm talking about. They think I'm, they, all of a sudden they say, he just start talking in tongues. <laughs> I do speak in tongues plus English. I am bilingual. But anyway, Ananias and Sapphira tried to hold a little something back and then lie to the Holy Spirit. 
How many of us been holding a little something back and trying to lie to the Holy Spirit? They carried them out feet first. You know, and the worst part is it happened in first service and second service. They had two services and both of them had somebody going out feet first. All right. So, so lamentation shows us how to have pain and grief. And it shows us it's a crucial part of our faith. And it shows us that in a broken and sin-sick world, it's not going to be perfect until Jesus is here. And, and, and I want us to see Jesus in lamentations, but I also want you to see that Jesus knows what it's like to lament when things don't go the way he hopes because humankind the most unpredictable people, the most unpredictable creation that God ever made is the human being. Because right when you think you know how they're going to behave, they do exactly the opposite. You all know it and I know it because you're one and I'm one. Right? So here it is. So, so Jesus, here's his lamentation in, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who, sent, who are sent to it. Again, he's speaking from lamentations, right? We see what happened with the priests who were killed, right? And he says this, how often would I have gathered you like children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings but you were not willing you were not willing and this morning I all I'm all I'm praying is that God will make us willing create in me a clean heart Oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. I'm praying that we'd be willing to turn to Jesus as he's cried, as he lamented over the city of Jerusalem saying, I have longed to gather you like a mother gathers her children, like a hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. Some of us are in such deep throes of pain right now, you won't let Jesus pull you in. You've been so blinded by the media. You've been so blinded by the headlines. You've been so blinded by your hate and your emotions that you won't let God bring you in. Amen. And Jesus laments. He understands your pain. He understands my pain. When you look in Lamentations, the first thing I want you to see is that Lamentations points to Jesus' sin and grief-bearing work on the cross. Jesus bore your sin and my sin. He bore your grief and my grief. Jesus understands what you're going through. He understands, but he also understands some of the things that we're going through are things that were man-made, moral agents. And some of us are being moral agents of evil right now in the name of God. Lamentations, let me read it. it, says, My eyes flow without ceasing, without respite. 
until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes cause me grief. Anybody's eyes call you, cause you grief as you look out right now and you see the division and the pain and you see people dying and you see people wearing masks and you see all the struggles. You see all of the, the pain that's out there. Have you seen it? Are they causing you grief at the fate of all the daughters of my city? I've been hunted like a bird by those who were my enemies without cause. Anybody feel like you got enemies without any cause? They flung me alive into the pit and cast stones on me. Anybody feel like you've been getting buried alive lately? Water closed over my head. I said, I'm lost. Anybody feel like you're drowning this morning? I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit, and you heard my plea. Hallelujah. He said, you heard my plea. And, and, and here's what it says. Do not close your ears to the cry of my cry to your help. But notice there was a crying out. You, me, us, we need to cry out together in communal calling out to God. We need to call out to God. We need to voice our, our needs to God. We must cry out to God, you came near when I called you. Come on, church. You came near when I called you. You came near when I called This is the word of God I'm reading right here. You said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord, and you have redeemed my life. Woo, Jesus. You have seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. Judge my cause. Listen, you better make sure your cause is his cause before you start asking him to judge your cause because, because you have seen all their vengeance, all their plots against me. You have heard their taunts, O Lord, all their, all their plots against me. The lips and thoughts of my assailants are against me all day long. Anybody feel like it hasn't stopped? Behold, they're sitting and they're rising. I am the object of their taunts. You will repay them. Did it say I will? Did it say I will? It said you. Well, you know what that means? That means I trust you, God. I trust you that you're going to deal with it. I said I trust you that you're going to deal with it. He said, you will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You know what that reminds me? God's just. And if he's just to bring about all of these things, then he's just to bring about the justice. He says, you will give them the dullness of heart. You curse your curse. Will my curse be on them or your curse be on them? God didn't make you to be a curser. He made you to be a blesser. Notice that the Bible says, I will bless those uh, whom you bless and those who curse you, I'll curse them. He didn't say you curse them. He said, I'll do that. He doesn't want you involved in that. I thought I was preaching easy this morning, but evidently the Lord has another plan. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under your heavens, O Lord. You know what? People say God isn't doing anything about racism. People say God isn't doing anything about COVID. People say God isn't doing anything about evil. Let me tell you, Jesus was God's response to evil. Jesus was God's response to racism. Jesus was God's response to COVID. He's already done something. You're looking for him to do something else, but he's already done it. Jesus experienced this type of grief and pain for us. 
through his work on the cross, the Bible tells us he who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might be called the righteousness of God. Anybody looking in the mirror lately and not feeling really righteous? Anybody, if you need to review, maybe you need to go ahead and review your social media. Uh Uh-oh, pastor, you better shut up. Maybe you need to review your your social media and see what it's mirroring because when you look at your social media feed, you're looking in the mirror. Let me just take my glasses off. Somebody, I need a stool to sit down for a minute because somebody needs to hear that this morning. You want a mirror? This is supposed to be your mirror. This right here is supposed to be your mirror. Oh, no, no. But this, this is your mirror. Jesus felt lost and he felt forsaken for you and for me. How dare us say God has forsaken us. God has not forsaken us. He is present. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Jesus promised, I will be with you till the ends of the earth. That's his promise. That's what he said. Matthew 27, 46, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the only reason he cried that out was because he took your sin and my sin and nailed it to a tree. He lamented from the cross. Jerusalem felt lost in their sin. They felt taunted. They felt tormented. They felt ashamed. And right now, any of you feeling a little lost? Because I have been. Anybody, any of you feeling a little bit of pain? Because I have been. Jesus is the answer. Oh, that's a convenient answer, Pastor. Well, you don't know what it costs then if you think it's a convenient answer. You better look at the cross. The convenient answer. No, it's the only answer I know. The second thing I want you to see this morning is Lamentation 3 quotes the suffering servant reconciling man back to God. You know what Jesus' number one purpose was? To bring us back to God, to reconcile us back to God. And until you are reconciled back to God, you will never be reconciled to your brother and sister. I said until you are reconciled back to God, you will never be reconciled to your brother and your sister. You will never see the pain of your brother and sister until God has reconciled you. Isaiah 56 uh, verse 6 says, I came back uh, uh, to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Jesus had his face spit in for you and for me. It says, they gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. As Jesus is in his greatest point of suffering, they give him vinegar, they give him sour wine. He took those sour wines so you wouldn't have sour grapes. Somebody come on. Somebody come on. I wish that was in my notes. I need to write that down. I'm here worried about your sour grapes, and he took sour wine for you. Lamentations 3, as the prophet quotes from Isaiah, he quotes from from Psalms speaking about the price that would be paid to reconcile us back to God. And Hebrews 12 tells me this. It tells me that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. 
Jesus knew there was going to be pain for a little while. Church, there's going to be pain for a little while until he comes. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and all of its shame in order that you and I might spend all of heaven with him, all of eternity in heaven with him. You and I have that hope and we have that faith, or do we? Or are you looking for it here on this planet? Because Hebrew also tells us that this is not our home. We're looking for a city. We're looking for a city. He was the suffering servant. You see, the cross of Christ is where the justice of God met the grace of God. And objects of wrath, that's you and me, became objects of affection. This is our hope today, church. But we must be reconciled back to God. And you say, how? By believing in Jesus, believing He's the Son of God, believing He died on the cross for your sin and my sin, believing that Father God raised Him back to life, and believing that He's preparing a place for you called heaven. And this place is not our home. I'm just passing through. I don't know about you, but I'm just passing through. And I don't know about you, I'm glad. I'm glad this ain't my home. I'm glad this ain't my home. My citizenship's in heaven. The third thing I want you to see this morning is Jesus weeps over Lady Zion, identifying with her public shame and abandonment. Some people have felt publicly shamed and publicly abandoned. And Jesus, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, says, For our sake he made him to, uh, to him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be called the righteousness of God. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was very public, and it was extremely shameful, ending with him being hung naked on a cross and exposed before the world anybody feel exposed this morning anybody feel broken and naked anybody feel that pain well he did that for you and for me he he was abandoned even by his closest friends I said even by his closest friends people that you thought we're in fellowship with you. We're no longer in fellowship with you because of a political position or a political agenda or the color of skin or the disagreement of mask versus non-mask. We have people that are deciding to no longer love one another. And my question is, did you ever love us in the first place? I better not spit or I'm going to get arrested. Cover yourself, son. Abandoned by the closest friends. He felt estranged from the Father. But he took the sin of the world upon him. And Jesus weeps over your shame and abandonment. He came so you don't have to be alone. Please stop choosing to be alone. Please stop choosing to be alone. If you're alone, it's because you chose. God didn't move. God didn't move. He came. He lived. He died. And was raised so that you wouldn't have to live alone. I sent out a heartfelt appeal to the man in Bible study. The man in Bible study. And I told him, guys, if you're feeling alone, it's not God didn't move. The church didn't move. Somebody moved, but it wasn't us. That's too much work. I don't want to pray. I don't want to sit in the pain with my brother or sister. 
The fourth thing I want you to see this morning is lamentation calls for us to look at the horrifying images of sin, selfishness, and apathy to see what Jesus truly did for us. It causes us to look at sin and selfishness. And here's a scary one, apathy. That's where you don't care one way or another. How can we look at our world right now and just not care? How can we not care? Apathy's worse than the other two, in my opinion, because it just means you can't care. You don't care. Sin, selfishness, sin. Yes, there is a moral agent. We know that sin, we know that there is natural evil, and we know that there is evil that is done by a moral agent, but we also know that sin has its effects, and we know that that natural uh, evil is also uh, intensified by human interaction. Look at what Lamentations 3.39, it says, Why should the living man complain a man about the punishment of his sins? Just so you know, you don't have to complain about the punishment of your sins because it's been paid in full if you elect to receive it. But I don't want to hear you crying about it if it has already been done. People say, how would a good God let people go to hell? He didn't. He sent Jesus. You choose hell. Oh, let's watch some numbers drop off the board now. Let's watch some people drop off the board now. He gave us a choice. He gave us his best answer. Lamentations 3.42 says, We transgressed and rebelled, and you have not forgiven. God's not going to forgive us until you asked for it. Your rebellion must be repented of. And Lamentations 5.16 says, The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Finally, five chapters later, they finally say, It was us. It was my heart. My heart did what Jeremiah said. My heart led me astray. My heart was deceitful above all things, and who can know it? Then Lamentations 4, it gives a vivid and disturbing picture of that two-year siege. It contrasts what it used to be like versus what it is now. The kids used to play in the streets, and now they beg for food. The wealthy used to eat lavish meals and now they dig whatever they can out of the dirt and eat. The royal leaders used to walk around in splendor and now they're famished, dirty, and unrecognizable. These are the comparisons and contrasts. The anointed king from the line of David had been captured and dragged away to Babylon. And the poem's power comes from the shock the sheer shock of it. And I don't know about you, but when I look around, I see people in shock. Nobody knew 2020 was going to be like this. And guys, it ain't over. There's still an election coming in November. And whichever way it goes, God help us. It don't matter whichever way it goes. Now, here's what I know, Jesus. Now, here's where you got to get your hearts right because I want you to look back at this in November and remember that your pastor who already got in trouble for this one time is going to get in trouble for it again and it won't be the last time is that Jesus is still going to be on the throne in November. Jesus is still going to be on the throne in November. The question is, what will your response be? 2020 ain't over. There's an election coming. And God help us. 
But you better make sure who your candidate is. My candidate is Jesus. And guess what? He's undefeated, has been undefeated since the beginning, and will remain undefeated. They don't like that. You're supposed to endorse. I ain't endorsing nobody but Jesus because he endorsed me. And he's the only one I really know because these other dudes, I don't know. I don't know them. You don't know what they're like. Acting like we know people. I know Jesus, and I know he ain't ever sold me down the river. I know he ain't ever done anything but bless me and help me. And I know he's the one that puts people in authority. Surprise! Surprise! How'd you find that out? The Bible. The Bible says it's God who puts people in authority. Always oh, talking about the Bible. Van, I know you're watching me. I love you, brother. Van, oh, that's, I'm, looking, I'm looking at my phone. Van, you and me, baby. Van and I keep saying, if these people would get a hold of the Word of God, we'd be all right. Van, if I had a dollar for every time Van reminds me and I remind him, Van, if these people would let the Word of God be what it is and let it inform their discussions, we'd be okay. We need to get back to the Word. I heard it said, until we reach rock bottom, we'll never look up to see how far we've fallen. Until we reach rock bottom. Guys, I don't know. I ain't going to say it can't get worse, but Jesus, come on. Come on. I don't think any of us thought we'd be sitting in a sanctuary with every other seat where we had to get our temperature taken, get masks on. I don't think any of us thought that we'd have the kind of, of, of hate being spewed and, and, and division and all these kind of things. I don't think any of us thought we'd ever face anything like this. Look how far we've fallen. I only know one who can dig us out of this hole, man. I only know one. The Bible says... He reached down and he pulled me out of the miry clay. Oh, oh, Bible. And he set my feet upon a rock and established my way. He has put a new song in my heart. Praise to our God. Some people think Pastor Mike just wrote a song. Pastor Mike didn't write a song. He just read a psalm. I said Pastor Mike didn't just write a song. He read a psalm. Come on, church. Stay there, Bible. I need you. We need Jesus, man. I love it when people say, Pastor Mike, how do you know so much about the Bible? I read it. I study it. Me and Pedro, me and Pedro had lunch this past week. I remember we were working out one time and he was trying to be dis, uh, distracted by, we were doing a five minute ab work uh, courtesy of Andre, and, uh, which he is a torture chamber. But anyway, <laughs> so in our grief, we were crying out to the Lord, hallelujah. And Pedro's talking, trying to be distracted because Andre is easily distracted and he doesn't keep time real well. And... Uh, and don't remind him because he resets because he got a short memory. And what are we on, 46? Ah, we just call it one. One, two, three, four, right? So Pedro and I, we're working out, right? 
<laughs> and, uh, and Pedro's like, Pastor Mike, how do you know so much scripture? And I was like, because I live it. And he, and he just was like, really? <laughs> really? And he looked at me so mad. He's already mad because he's hurting. And then he's like, really? You're going to say, it? I said, you asked, right? How <laughs> do I know so much because I live it? Because I don't just read it. You can't just read it. You have to do it. That's what James says. Oh, Bible again. What? James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Oh, I like that response. See, Lamentations helps us to see not grief, but hope has the final word for everybody who puts their trust in Jesus. Did you see that? Not grief, but hope is going to have the final word for you and I. But you get to choose that. You get to decide. Is grief going to get the final word in your life or is hope going to get the final word in your life? Lamentations 5, 21 and 22. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old. And look at verse 22. This is how the book ends. This is how the book ends because this is how life ends. And this is where it ends for you and I too. We get to choose. Look at this. Unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. That's where it ends. End, period, unless. Now the answer is Jesus. God has not rejected you. And he has not remained exceedingly angry with you because he sent his son Jesus for you and for me. But you still have to choose him. You see, we choose. You choose. You say you choose Jesus or retribution. You choose Jesus or revenge. You choose Jesus or politics. You choose Jesus or religion. You choose Jesus or origin. You see, you can stand up with Jesus and you can speak up with your faith. I'm not asking you to be silent. I'm just making sure that you're speaking God's word. I don't want you to be silent. Because God's, God's word is not silent on any of the issues we're facing. I'm just asking that you speak and not spew. That's all I'm asking. Speak God's word. Because it says, amazingly, his word never comes back void. It always goes forth. And it accomplishes everything he set out it to do. And you know what else it says? It says that it divides bone from marrow. That's the word of God. See, so the question is this, church. Here's the real question. Is it your sociology? And sociology is the way people view things. Sociology is the way the world changes. And you know how people are always saying, well, times change, and as times change, different things are interpreted. God's word doesn't change. See, the only thing that's happened now is it's not your theology that's interpreting this book. It's your sociology that's now interpreting this book. And when your sociology in- interprets this book, you get it wrong. But when your theology interprets this book, you get it right. You see, you can eisegete, read into the book what's not there, or you can exegete, pull out of the book what is there. So the question is, is it your sociology or theology that is informing your actions? And as we come to this conclusion this morning, I want to remind every single one of you 
of a very powerful thing from this book. This book says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess under heaven that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the winning team. When it says every, it means every. Now, when you bow, the question is, are you friend or foe? That's the question. The only determining factor is Jesus, your relationship with Jesus. We're all going to face judgment. Those, some of us are going to stand before God with an advocate whose name is Jesus, who says paid in full. Some of us are going to stand in front of God with self-righteousness. And some of us are going to stand with God shaking our fist in his face. But every knee will bow and every tongue confess. I just choose to bow my knee now. But listen, I don't, I don't bow my knee out of hate. And I don't bow my knee out of fear. I revere God. Please make no mistake about it. Listen, he does what he wants and he doesn't owe me a, a thing. Amen. But do you really know why? And I'll be honest with you because this is coming from a kid who had nothing, who was steeped in drugs, steeped in alcohol, brokenness. A generational curse of alcoholism was upon my life. I didn't want to live anymore. All these things and I had nothing. The only thing that transformed my life wasn't hell because I had lifted many whiskey glass to hell. And that is the truth. I had hoisted many whiskey glass with a bunch of other lost souls saying, see you in hell. Not understanding what truly it meant. But already saying, I'm already in hell. It can't get much worse than this. But then I found out that Jesus loved me. You see, the problem, the reason I was hoisting those glasses and the reason I was behaving the way I was behaving because I felt like nobody loved me. I felt like I had lost it all, had given up. I felt like I had blown my best chance and I felt like I had done so much wrong that there's no way that a place called heaven would accept a guy like me. I wouldn't even go to church because I literally thought that they would throw me out. But then I heard about the love of Jesus. I heard that he died on a cross for my sin. I heard that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. I heard that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever, and I realized I'm a whosoever, believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I decided to bow my knee. And at 3 a.m., come on. And at 3 a.m. in the morning, in front of a recliner in a trailer in Dade City, I got down on my knees and I literally said, Jesus, I have ruined it. I have blown it. And I have nothing. But if you want this life, I'll give it to you. 
And you know what? He wanted it. And he took it. And since that day, I have not been perfect, but I have been being perfected by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. It took him a long time to clean up this mouth, and he's not done. It took him a long time to clean up a lot of things, and he's still working on me. But the thing that keeps me close to him is his love. That's what really matters. And I just want you to know if you hear anything from Lamentations, Jesus loves you. He sees your shame, your abandonment, your pain, your grief, your sin, and he loves you. And all you have to do is lament to God. God, I've blown it. God, I don't deserve it. But I give it to you. And it may not be worth anything to anybody else. But I give it to you. And God will take that mustard seed of faith. And he'll change your heart. He'll change your life. And then you'll learn to lament day after day until we see Jesus. I don't fear hell. No. No. But I do look forward to heaven. Amen. What a day that will be when we see Jesus. You can have everything I just talked about because I told you I didn't deserve a thing. You can have it all. It's yours. If you believe and receive. That's it. It's not going to be easy. Let me just go ahead and get that out of the way. It's not going to be easy. You think being a Christian's easy? Nope. There are times you want to punch people in the face. It's true. I threaten to punch other pastors in the face. It's true. I should have been fired twice. I really did. Thanks be to God. I remember my lead pastor saying, Mike, you know you can't tell people you're going to punch them in the face. He said, you can't threaten them. I said, oh, it's not a threat. It's a promise. Thank God for good men who forgave me. See, God's still working. And I haven't threatened to punch anybody in the face in a long time. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not saying I won't. I'm just saying I haven't. But God can take that uncontrolled anger and turn it into righteous anger. That's what he can do. And if he still saves a guy like me, why can't he save a guy like you? Why can't he save a gal like you? Trust him today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, I, I don't even understand why you love me the way you do. And the truth is, I don't even want to because I'm just glad you do. And so I just rest in your love today. And God, I thank you that my failures, they don't define me anymore. But it's your grace that defines me. 
And God, I pray for everybody who's listening right now. I pray for everybody in this place that you've gathered. That you would speak to their hearts. And Jesus, remind them that it's all about you. It's always been about you and it's always going to be about you. If you're here this morning or you're listening or you're watching right there, if you need Jesus, you just simply cry out right where you're at. Just simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I receive you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you defeated Satan's sin and death when Father God resurrected you. And I believe that you're preparing a place for me. And that's what I want more than anything in this world. I want you. And so now my hope is in you. My faith is in you. And my trust is in you and you alone. And God, I know I'm not going to be perfect. But I know I am being perfected. And I ask you, God, to help me to trust in you for that perfection. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God?